Yes, it's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Howdy, folks. I'm Sleazy B. Martini, entrepreneur extraordinaire. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. This is Curtis Armstrong, and you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time. The dangling thumb. And you're listening to Quality Time Broadcast. And they paid me like 20,000 calories a day just to start gaining weight again. That's about listen, it's things like that and the health tips from Joe Rogan's podcast that have kept you so healthy up until this day. And I'm excited as we all are. Welcome to Quality Time. Uh we're kicking the show off right. My name is Eric Woodworth and today uh I'm joined uh by always uh my two hosts with the most uh first and foremost my blood my brother he's holding a paps blue ribbon high for today's movie give it up for jeremy p woodworth jeremy how are you sir i don't know who you're talking to oh my god is this dennis hooper yeah man it's dennis hopper <laughs> you know i came to, from the grave just to hear this and hear people talk about one of my greatest roles oh you know? man I do love Dennis Hopper. I will say he does carry this movie in ways harder than anybody else in the film. Although Isabella Rossellini, shout outs. Uh, but damn, yeah. Dennis Hopper, as soon as he makes, he steals every fucking scene he's in in this movie. What were they going to say about me? That I was a good man? <laughs> that I was a, a an intelligent man? <laughs> Thank God. you, Jeremy, with your PBR. We're also, you hear that very funny voice. She's covered her entire face with pumpkin spice latte. Give it up for Miss Ashley Pontius. Ashley, how are you, love? I'm good, daddy. Now tell our listeners what you've done to your face, since uh, I probably won't keep that in the pre-show. We'll just, uh, we'll bring them up to speed real quick. Why we mentioned uh, your face. That's right okay. Um, it is a pumpkin honey, like holic mask. It's meant to make me look more attractive so that I can trap a man. And then once he's trapped, then I start crying all the time and telling him everything he does is a problem. Oh, the classic Jeremy Woodworth tactic. I like it. All right. Um, very good. I'm glad we're... <laughs> I'm glad we're all here today. Uh, I'm excited. I only have one pre-show story. To, to before we get into our today's tale uh because i have a lot of notes on today's tale because jesus christ what a fucking thing to unpack that we're going to try to explain to people uh but i had a um a show at mcgooby's i believe it was last week maybe it was this wednesday it was this wednesday i had a show um so let me rewind to Tuesday. I wrote a new bit, okay? And I'm not going to get into the meats and potatoes of it, but the premise of the bit is talking about service animals and how fucking service animals, we need to relax on them. I've had enough of them, blah, 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 right? 
it, I go to the wits end that night because it had hit me. I was like, this is a good joke. Go up to the wits end, which is generally a tough place. It's lots of comics that are watching you perform and waiting to go up. And it fucking crushed. And I was like, damn, that's a good ass fucking bit. All right, let's go with it. So I go up to Magoobies the next night because I uh, got a last minute featuring gig for an internet sensation uh, named uh, Ben uh, uh, Brainum. Ben Brainum. Anyway, he was very, he was a very kind man, but his whole crowd, it was there just to see him, right? Like they don't give a shit about me. I decide I'm going the fuck up just, and I'm going to open with the service dog bit and it fucking bombed hard. I mean, they did not like one part of it. There wasn't any laughter. I was like, guess you guys just aren't going to like me shitting on service animals. Got it. So, uh, I do the rest of my set though. I recover good. I go with the old tried intrudes talking about how fat I am and I'm kids and I'm a terrible parent, right? That crushes. That all does great, right? I get off stage. He does his thing and he's, he's fucking crushing it. They're, they're loving him. He does lots of jokes about states. Okay. So I, uh, I'm I'm out the outside afterwards and I'm getting the attaboys and he's got a long ass line of people to do the meet and greet. They're all fucking excited to see this dude. And I see this lady come up and sure enough, she has a fucking fully trained service dog with her. <laughs> and she's walking around with it. And I'm like, oh yeah. And hey, she, you know what she does though? She comes right up to me. She goes, I loved your service dog bit. I'm sick of these people with, this is a real service dog. These emotional support animals are bullshit. So she liked it, but I can, I imagine that she's sitting in a crowd with people where they see the dog. So now they're uncomfortable to laugh, even though she loves the joke, right? So I, it was an awkward situation, but I'm glad. And I think I convinced her to come to the murder mystery at the DC Improv because she drove up from DC to see this guy on Wednesday night. Uh, but yeah, good times, a lot of fun, dog shouldn't be medicine um jeremy what do you got um we lost an employee this week like dead he was completely incompetent like so he wait a minute was he fired or was he is he now deceased i think he just stopped showing up for work but then, like, last week, he didn't show up for one day. And so I started trash-talking him. So he showed up the next day. I was like, oh, I guess I need to wait a week before I start trash-talking somebody because they were a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, literally, we have, like, an assembly line kind of deal where things move and you take them off this assembly line. And apparently this, I want to call him a kid because he's 10 years younger than me because he looks young, but couldn't figure it out that dropping things right off the line might damage what we're actually moving. And also, when it's higher up on a, on a thing, dropping it as hard as he can on the floor. So, try to give a hint like every other minute, like, damage. So sometimes he picks up the box, he's like, looks at it, is it damaged? Like, yeah, you're damaging it right now. What is wrong with you? But he just. <laughs> but I figure he was coming in so late, like a half hour to forty-five minutes, and literally lying right to the boss and saying things like, the "Boss knew you came in forty minutes late because I told him." And then he comes back later. He's like, "So when did you come in?" "Oh, I was on time. I mean, fifteen minutes late." Like, no, no, you're you're lying right to the boss. He, he knows you're lying. You're a piece of shit. 
you're you're just bad all around. So I thought he was going to get fired for for uh, being late, but no, there's pretty much no accountability. So oh, so he still got a job. Nice. I'm so you, you're in the clear then. I look. I shine on this job because I actually show up, even though I move like an 80 year old man. So well, good for you. I'm proud of you, Jeremy. That's good, man. Um, you know, I don't know why, but you were speaking about workplace incompetence. And it reminded me of a story of my good old friend, Opie. And me and my friend, Opie, we had a job down uh, one summer at uh, the Ace Hardware Store down in Ocean City, Maryland, because we went to Salisbury. And it was uh, delivering appliances. It was a nice little summer gig. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was nice just to be in Ocean City every day. How long did you actually have to sleep in your Aerostar when working at Ace? That's a different story. The entire summer is the answer, though. I would just <gasps> I would just go and party in Ocean City, uh, and I had a mattress in the back of my van, and I would just pass out behind Ace Hardware after a long night of partying, give myself an old Irish shower, just pits and face, and I'd be like, let's fucking do this, and then go to work, and then party again. And I'd do that all week during the summer. It was really good. Listen, it was a fun time. Um, but... I, uh, my friend, my friend Opie worked there too and my roommate and we had this kid who was younger than us cause we were like, I guess about 21, 20 years old, somewhere around there. And we had this kid that worked with us who was 16. We called him Beavis because he was such an idiot, like as in Beavis <laughs> and Butthead. And so we just called him Beavis cause he was, uh, he was not a special boy. Anyway, one morning after a night of partying, me and Opie coming to work and, um, something, Opie is just hung over and when Opie he is a weird Irish redhead who's just he's not to be he's not to be poked and prodded okay when he's hung over right well Beavis he's not he has not taken the message so Beavis starts fucking around with them he's like huh isn't that right Jeff blah 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 and messing with them and then he he this is in front of a manager Opie just grabs him by his shirt. He says, shut the fuck up, Beavis, before I pin you to a fucking wall with the forklift, you piece of shit like that. <laughs> and so he grabs him by his shirt. Hey, Beavis then swings and takes a punch at Opie, and Opie goes, what the fuck? And he grabs him and wrestles him down to the ground and starts slapping Beavis around. And we were like, finally, our boss, our manager, Fred, breaks him apart. And so he had, he had to fire both of them that day. So I had to work both people's thing because they got into a fight at work, which was not a good thing. But also, we kept for the next week and for the rest of uh, my time living with uh, Opie, I would always say, I was like, whoa, Opie, listen, I'm not a 16-year-old. You don't have to talk to me like that. And we just always talk about him getting a fight with a child. It was very funny. I don't I don't understand why boys seem to like solve their problems this way. I gotta tell you, as a girl in college, that is not how we dealt with our issues. If you had a problem with somebody, you would just go and fuck her dad. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, no. See, like uh, us boys, if we if you have a good relationship, 99% of the time you can have a fight and then the fight is over. And then you could probably either hang out the next day or just be peaceful with each other moving forward. It, it's so weird because when I fight with Eric, it's at least a solid week before he's like, are you going to talk to me again? And I'm like, think about it. <laughs> hey, that was that was a 2021 thing. We back we in the we in the twenty twenty two. We live in the new I life. Um, I know. We're into February already. Mm-hmm. We we need like um like Jeremy, I assume at your job, maybe do you guys have the like so many days without incident? <laughs> 
they probably have it somewhere, but they keep it away from us because they don't want any accidents um, advertised, I guess. Fair. Well, we need one for the podcast studio. Like how many days Ashley's gone without getting mad? <laughs> we haven't used the N word. So, oh. <laughs> like, like we, we need never a- use the N word because we're civil and to- not. <laughs> yeah, we're. We don't want to get canceled that way. Now, all the other stuff, there's so much more we can be canceled for. Come on, guys. Let's we use it for retard like every five minutes, though. There you go. Yeah. I started doing it, too. I keep using the short. I keep using the abbreviated version, which is TARD. Yeah. Uh, because for some reason, TARD makes me laugh more. You know what I told your brother the other day, Jeremy? I told Eric he was an NFT. I was like, you're a nice fucking TARD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if there's like untouchable minorities that you know that you can get away with, like one is the Amish, and you call them like barn builders. Mm-hmm. I love that barn builder. Or uh, or with Eskimos, you'll never see an Eskimo in your life, so you're just like, uh, you fucking igloo housing guy. Okay, um, igloo housing guy. That's yeah, I working, I use that I'm very working. frequently. <laughs> I'm working on that slur, or maybe just uh, you whale blubber eater or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. What about uh, what about you sloppy hole fisher? Mm, I like to call I'm, them. I like to call them ice sluts. That's my Eskimo one. Land, bridge uh, pedestrian or something. <laughs> they crossed over from Russia to Alaska, I guess. Sometimes boys call me an esky hoe. <laughs> I like to call women from Kazakhstan a uh, boar snatch. Um. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could get a Lord of Russian bride someday. Maybe when I go Mormon. Yeah, you'll get there, man. Well, uh, uh, do we have anything else? Is there an honest ash? Anything like oh, that? Or are we ready to get into tonight's tale? Let me tell one more shit story because this okay. guy's been fired for like three weeks now and I can get away with it on my job. <laughs> Okay, more more stories from Jeremy's job. Here we go. Yeah, the work is my life now because I actually work. I can't believe I'm fired yet for being old. So, uh, one guy definitely had joint problems. He's just, he was the only other guy that was as old as me, 50 years old, not to narrow it down too much because he's gone. Uh Oh my gosh. So a couple of nights he was acting kind of crazy, kind of wacky. And, and, and I'm like, okay, something's, something's up with this guy. I know he had problems. Yeah. Finally, finally he fessed up acting kind of crazy one night. He, he's like, Oh, I did some fentanyl and a hundred of, uh, of Oxycontin. I'm like, Oh my fucking gosh. And just when he told me, I was like, well, you're as fucking high as a fucking kite. No wonder you were fucking singing and making noises and shit. You got That's fucking... terrifying. Right. I'm like, I've never known anybody that takes that much fucking drugs on the job. Actually, I did know. I did know, but he was like <laughs> almost retardedly walking around trying to figure out which is the top or bottom of a box. But either way, I was like, well, you're functional. You're, you're still working good, even though you're acting kind of wacky. Yeah, you know they just call when you don't know the top or the bottom of a box. They just call it ass eating. It's weird. Um, but you know, on the job, sometimes you got to keep your Narcan and you know, like you know, 
make sure they don't die of vomiting on the job when they pass out on the floor. That is true, Jeremy. I believe that you, you'd be a good, you're a good person that if somebody ODs, after you finish laughing for the first like two or three minutes, you would save them. you drive them to the fucking hospital. No, dude, I want to see people die. I'm like, Kevork. <laughs> you know something? I see their soul and that, that 15 ounces that leaves their body and everything. And that's when I do the incantation. Oh, yeah. It's full on child, Chucky child's play. And now this body is mine and I'm immune to fentanyl. I'm pretty sure if I suck the air into my mouth, I'll get another soul into me. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> well good man i'm glad things are going well and that drug addict is probably living his worst life now so uh anywho um are, are we ready to get in even a, that's, that's like a myth are we ready to get into tonight's movie gang because it is a doozy i'm excited it is 1986's blue velvet jeremy's pick a David Lynch film uh, based off of the song by Bobby Vinton uh, and also based off of just a random lady he saw naked walking down the street as a child. Those were the two inspirations for this David Lynch joint. Jeremy, why why Blue Velvet as the pick for this week? This is obviously one of the most insane movies ever made with... Uh, Dennis Hopper's more than over the top crazy guy and and sometimes if, if people never see the movie I pretty much say that it's uh, Leave it to Beaver meets the Manson family yeah I'd say that's pretty accurate uh, it is quite shocking although it's funny like people like Ashley who uh, I, I'm excited to hear her takes on uh, today's film who who loves Twin Peaks if if you are a David Lynch fan and you only know him from like the movie Dune and Twin Peaks like it's it's a shock to see any of his other movies outside of that world uh, it's just he toned it down for those two and that is it <laughs> you know what's also shocking Mel, Mel Brooks's film The Elephant Man yeah, I've ne- I've never watched The Elephant Man either, but maybe that can be Holy a future Holy fuck, pick. we're doing that next week, motherfucker. No, we're not. not You're not up for week. another two weeks, motherfucker. Yeah, you guess, wait your turn. Guess what um, we're I... not picking. From now on, it's all David Lynch films. Okay, I get it. I get it. Um, and- um, what I want... Sorry, just what I wanted to say is I did not realize that that's what inspired this movie like his story of seeing that naked woman because um i was actually amused for somebody's uh movie ours is called um brown velour (laughs) okay brown velour (laughs) uh i do like uh david lynch is such a a weird eccentric person when you talk about filmmaking like i've watched little snippets he's like the thing you want to do if you want to make a movie is have post-it notes and then you write ideas down and then when you have enough of these ideas they just become a movie and that's how i do it and you listen to it it's like you're like how an insane person writes his whole foods order 
right? Like, it's just, he's a complete madman, and I love it. I also, it's another thing about David Lynch, because I, I, one of the first movies I ever watched of his was his first movie, which is Eraserhead. So if you watch and you come from a base of Eraserhead, anything you watch after that, you're like, okay, this seems actually pretty normal, because uh, that is his probably his strongest and high strangeness movie that exists. Um I realized, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's you're more impressionable when you're young. So you remember movies when you're, you're young or just getting old. You forget shit like uh, I've literally rented out a movie from uh, Redbox like a couple months later after I'd already seen the movie and I'm watching it like half hour. Like I've seen this movie. This is a shit movie. And I forgot it because it was such shit. <laughs> nobody, forgets, nobody forgets a fucking David Lynch film. You're like. <laughs> Oh yeah, did you ever see that movie? The one with um, you know, the giant uh, bear and the guy that flies a, a um, you know, a spaceship, and the kid and the and the guy who's like a wizard who has like magical power. No, I've never seen Star Wars. No, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fuck is that? You know, All right? Uh, there's other thing that I, I like to point out about like David Lynch as a movie uh, maker and a writer in general. I think he is very much uh, an art school guy that is into film because he really holds true to the idea of art is whatever the viewer thinks it is. So whenever people ask him, what did you were you trying to get across when you're trying to do this? He's usually very vague and doesn't try to tell you what to think about his movie he just wants to put it out there and says i don't know what did you get from it because he's that is you know as a true artiste that is the purest form and it's also really fun to know that he comes from that kind of a background that when you're watching a movie everything like if you watch marvel there is some filler to just make the plot work there is none of that in a david lynch movie everything he shows is a very specific thing that he wants you to see in the same way that a uh, a Stanley Kubrick everything is very very determined he's like I want you to see this this is the thing and it is important there's nothing in it that isn't important to what he's trying to convey well so I would say I totally agree with you I would say that comedy and his his movies are very much the same same with art it's just like it's subjective you're gonna have people that are like I hate this gonna have people that love it also unrelated um i was just making coffee i did just get hung up on one of the drawers and my underwear is now ripped (laughs) yes hey do you want to know hey uh, speaking of things that uh i've experienced in my life uh i have a common thing that happens to clothing i wear uh specifically pants that have belt loops is that i am such a wide body that oftentimes (laughs) like my love handles I don't realize are part of my body so I will brush into things and frequently clip one of the loops on like the side of my pant and I rip almost every pair of pants on the right side that loop at one point because I think I am smaller than I actually am yeah so I just got hooked and pulled and ripped the entire side down while you guys were talking so there goes my $10.50 panties from Lane Bryant. All right. Now, uh, David Lynch uh, uh, 
could not actually get the rights to use the Bobby Vinton version of Blue Velvet. So uh, oh. I hear uh, they re-recorded it with a guy who sounded exactly like Bobby Vinton. But here, let's see if you can tell the difference between the Ridge and uh, the re-record. So here's the original right here. Um, they say they sing it uh, in the... Here's the Ridge. Anyway, we'll... So there's that, and then here's the opening sequence that was re-recorded at an octave lower and just a little bit different tempo. She wore blue Than satin was the light from the stars. So there we go. There's the there's the re-recording of it right there. Pretty spot Almost on. Almost no difference. Almost no difference. Yeah. I definitely noticed the octave change. It's a little bit uh it's definitely a little bit lower. Um Jeremy, did that take you out of the movie? You're like, this is the Bobby fucking Vinton version of this song. This movie's bullshit. Uh it's it's more of upsetting when i hear the uh the cover version of don't fear the reaper at the beginning of the stand which isn't really the, uh, blue oyster cult. <laughs> oh, yeah, that oh my is god bad. yes <laughs> you know what i have been watching though is the new stand on paramount plus i finally have gotten around to that i don't hate it i don't i don't hate it at all i do like how captain trips works and makes you have a giant fucking uh gullet every time it makes you have a frog neck every time you get sick that's pretty cool so anyway, I don't like Randall Flagg as much, though. I mean, I do I, love that Scarsgar guide, but he is not Randall Flagg. Randall Flagg is the original Randall Flagg. Yeah, I love that Eric is like, oh, yeah, you know what's super gross? Having like a big fucking ugly double chin. <laughs> I, I like that. I Yeah, I look like I have Captain Trips for the last 10 years. I get it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, what? One of my bucket list is to make it famous enough so I can hang around with Jack Black and then just do guerrilla style filming of him redoing um, Walking Dead as Negan. So. Oh, okay. So uh, the opening scene of Blue Velvet uh, takes you through the town of Lumberton, which is uh, just really the, the most smallest small town name you could ever imagine, Lumberton. Is everybody ready to... Uh sing the Lumberton, Lumberton theme. What, oh, is that the song that you said? Logs, logs, <laughs> Lumberton, USA! <laughs> um, I always thought it was... Uh, uh, it's Kelly Bundy. I always thought that the real Lumberton song was this right here. Um, hold on. I'm pulling it up. And I'm also filling at the same time. All we have to do is wait for this ad to play, and we'll have it in two seconds. See that guy's dick? Man, it was video games. Boy, oh boy. Yes, Log. All kids love Log. What rolls downstairs, the motor and pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. Wait for a snack, it's on your back, it's long, 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 it's long, long, it's big, it's heavy, it's wood, it's long, long, it's better than that, it's good. 
There you go. There you go. The L- Lumberton theme song, Log. Uh, you know what was great about Log? What was that? It was the Lux Log that had a squirrel nailed to the top of it with its through its feet. <laughs> yes, I do remember Deluxe Log. Uh, classic Ren and Stimpy. And apparently that guy is a monster, which stinks. Uh, oh. The guy, the creator of Ren and Stimpy. You know, apparently was, cartoonists love kids. Yeah. At least he doesn't like kids' feet. Yeah, apparently all of Nickelodeon are monsters except for Ninja Turtles because they were just bought by uh, Nickelodeon. So, well, so maybe instead of a Deadpool, I think we should start a quality time pedo pool where we just <laughs> where we just list all the people who we think this year will be convicted of being child predators. I mean, shouldn't we not call it the pedo pool, but the kitty pool? Technically, um. I'm really happy to find out that. Uh, on uh you can't do that on television they changed the the, uh the slime from white to green (laughs) 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 so the uh the opening scene we get to see uh this old guy have a heart attack uh uh and then they they i love the jack russell terror that's just biting the fucking water that's still squirting out of his hose the whole time because he looks nice and then they zoom in close into the grass and you can see the beetles crawling like that which is i i believe is supposed to represent the evil in town the seedy underbelly of Lumberton. It's also oh. it's also symbolic of Paul McCartney being dead all these years, but the replacement uh-huh. Paul was so much better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, so two other things I want to mention about that. One, whose fucking baby is that that wanders over and finds him? I'm like, where are your parents? Why are you out here? So that bothered me. I it's the mother in me. L- listen, Two. Lumberton isn't one of the. It's not a helicopter mom uh, community. You know, people are safe there to play with the dead bodies as much as they want in Lumberton. <laughs> the number number two. Am I, and I feel stupid and you can call me stupid, but the way he goes down. Okay. Cause I've known nothing about the movie. He goes like this. With his neck, I thought somebody shot him with a blow dart. And I go, I literally out loud to myself go, murder. (laughs) I have, oh my God, I have the worst creak in the neck that's ever existed. I'm going down. But am I wrong though? Like normally if you have a heart attack, you're usually like grabbing your arm, your chest. Yeah, yeah. Not like, oh, my pulse. I need to check my back pulse. Good to so, check your uh, your your main carotid artery. That is true. If you're having a heart attack, I think. Uh, Maybe. He. We also uh, shortly after we see the Beatles crawling underneath the grass. There, uh, we uh, then meet uh, Jeffrey, played by Kyle McLaughlin. Am I saying that right? Because uh, apparently. Or uh, McLaughlin. It's Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, Robbie got really mad at me at my pronunciation of his name. And I, I don't want to fix it. I want to continue doing it wrong. So is it actually McLaughlin or is it McLaughlin? I like McLaughlin because it's funnier. McLaughlin. So. Kyle McLovin. McLovin. Kyle McLovin uh, is in there. 
And uh, this would actually, a lot of the characters from this, uh, it, it would all be the inspiration for Twin Peaks. And a lot of people that tried out for roles in this movie would go on to later be in Twin Peaks. So uh, important to note there. Uh, he goes to visit his dad in the hospital, who is uh, looking like Jeremy in five years. Uh, just full neck brace, halo, completely immobilized, has to be fed by uh, spoonfuls of mush constantly. Jeremy, what was it like looking into your future in this scene? <laughs> like I'd ever make it to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. look, look, look. When it's televised, when I get gunned down by all those cops, you know, that's the way to go out, man. Hell that's yeah, brother. So yeah. he, uh, uh, on his way home, though, he passes by an old shack that he likes to throw rocks at and finds a human ear crawling with ants, as you do in Lumberton. And what do you do? You just don't leave a human ear out there. You put it in a filthy paper bag and take it to the police like a good citizen. By the way, by the way, my favorite episode of Sprockets. Look, it's an old man sleeping. Or is he? Ants, ants, ants. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, classic Sprockets bit from old school Conan. Gotta love it. Uh, he then uh, he takes the paper bag and heads to the police station where we meet Detective Williams. Uh, he doesn't... I don't like that Detective Williams doesn't reprimand him for ruining crime scene evidence by putting it in a filthy paper bag and bringing it to the police station. He's very nonchalant about it. Uh, and the they take it down to the coroner who says, looks like it got cut off with scissors. That can't be good they got no corpses all our corpses got ears on them so that guy could still be alive so uh the cops uh, go there and blanket the area to search for more clues speaking of evidence of dead people you know what really bothers me more than anything what's that jeremy hey you know i'd really like to to climb the highest mountain in the world called um mount everest mm -hmm. except there's dead bodies He's laying everywhere on your way to the fucking summit. Oh, 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 what's that dead body? Oh, yeah, we left him there about 10 years ago when he died. We didn't bother taking his fucking dead body down. No, he's a landmark now, you know? And yeah. worse than that is, well, well, he died from freezing to death. That, you know, some people do that with their loved ones. He might be revived someday, except he's like a dried out fucking popsicle now. Uh, I just don't understand leaving your dead just because, oh, it's going to be a pain taking him down the big fucking hill. I We're just going to leave. I kind of like well, the idea. It's like that's that's nature's taxidermy, if we're being honest, you know? <laughs> well, the truth is, actually, when you're caught in a storm and it's bad enough, it could take you longer to get to base camp carrying a body and you could all end up freezing, which is unfortunate. Um, but... I know it's hard, Jeremy, but I want you to think about Everest the way I do. Yeah. Which is, it's just like my cat's litter box, and those bodies are just the little turds I haven't scooped up yet. <laughs> I have I have a suggestion. Maybe bring a sled, you know? <laughs> Wait, Jeremy, are you telling me that we could get a forklift and just go up there and start scooping up them bodies? Is that a business plan for us? Yeah, and also apparently the the people are leaving so much trash behind the Everest is yes. like, a, like a trash dump now too. Yeah, that is real too. I hate it. That's how I want to. That's how I want to go out in a trash heap of frozen horror. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's what I want to do, man. So uh, the the uh, 
Jeff then goes, uh, decides to just go for a random walk in the evening, uh, the town of Lumberton. Uh, but he he goes and heads to Detective Williams's house, uh, which is it's odd. It's odd that he's going there in the middle of the night. Uh, he says, "I don't want to talk about the case anymore, and I can't tell you nothing, but things will sort themselves out." Um, and he also meets uh, Miss Williams, played by Hope Lang. But on his way out, someone says behind him, "Are you the one that found the ear?" And it is the lovely Sandy, who is uh, Detective Williams' daughter, played by Laura Dern. She says uh, she's been hearing the name Dorothy Valens a lot thrown around, and uh, they keep coming up in the investigation, and her apartment is close by. So uh, they lead her to the... He leads, she leads him to the building, and uh, there, there is a quick little pan up here where they do, they show that she lives on Lincoln Street. Um, I Eric, just, I, I love the stupid reveals that fucking David Lynch does, and, and it's very yeah. comical. He was just like, "Did you know he lives on one of our assassin, pre, assassinated President Street?" Yeah, I thought that was silly. But you, Eric, just made me you you made me write a Valentine's Day poem. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Roses are red. You found an ear. Frank gets real angry when you're late with the beer. <laughs> you know, another, another one of the weird coincidences is that one of the guys that uh, warned um Lincoln not to go to that show and it was actually named Mark David Chapman. No, but seriously, seriously, uh, Lynch and his cinematographer just go out of their way to just deliver the kick-ass cinematography of uh, not only Laura Dern's reveal from the dark where she just emerges like, a, like an angel or something, mm-hmm. but also uh, making fun of <laughs> how the police officer is almost the dry dragnet style of the 60s or like tell me more jeffrey yes <laughs> i am uh, acting like a robot with these things so more yeah, more of right. a juxtaposition but where we meet the real actor dennis hopper <laughs> <laughs> i also i i do love that uh Jeff, who's played by uh, Kyle McLovin, uh, he he does very much like he does some flirting with uh, with Sandy, and he's like, "Oh, you never seen my chicken walk?" And it's like, this is clearly how David Lynch tries. This is how I court. Uh, I do the chicken walk, and are you ready to fuck yet? Uh- <laughs> it, it um it definitely when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I'm really glad that they were the inspiration for Love on the Spectrum." <laughs> My uh, my my main um, courting is usually at the strip club, and I'll say like, "Hey, honey, ever see the hat dance?" And I put my hat on my dick and see how much it can jump. Oh, nice! That's good. So, hey, this is. You always cart me out too. I fucking kick and scream like I pay and pay customer. Um, I I've a, a, a Jeremy, you unlocked a core memory for me just now um and this is uh so dick so so here here's a core memory that i'm going to share with you guys i don't think this is a completely untold story to most people that i know or anything when i was in sixth grade and we and me and the boys just started popping boners okay didn't even know how to do anything we 
were in class in sixth grade, and that was like the voters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So me and the boys, uh, we did this little competition where we would take textbooks, okay, and stack them on top of your penis, okay, to see how many. How many you could stack and still be able to move the stack like this? And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm a nine book guy still to this day. I'm a nine textbook guy, social studies class, sixth grade. Shout outs. Which also, by the way, women are the same because when you get a mammogram, they have to put your tit between like two flat glass, uh, piece, two pieces of glass until it's like a five. Yeah, oh, man, I drew that that's same funny. connection, Jeremy. Of course. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm a that's what we call a BLT. It's a bacon, lettuce, and titty sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, God! Um, Ashley, did you know? Uh, how do you feel now that you know you, you uh, do a podcast with a, a nine book guy? Hmm. It's. I, I'm trying to articulate it. Um, it's it's a little shocking and a little bit exciting, and it makes a lot of sense because it's like, oh, this is why Eric did so bad in school. He was too busy stacking his textbooks on top of his dick. You don't know how hard I tried to get to do ten. Uh- <laughs> if I heard you had sex with ten guys, that story would be less gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're having you're having sex with guys. At least you aren't putting your dick between books. No, 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 not not between. You'd be seated, okay. To be clear, you'd be seated, and then books would be stacked on your lap, and you could first it would start with two, and you'd flex, and you're like, it moved. Add another one, and I was a nine book. I was a nine oh, book guy. Okay. Ten I'm is what it. stopped I'm it. it. I'm, seeing it in, I'm seeing it in my mind a whole different way with with the books on a table and your dick on the table. So. Okay. Uh-huh. You know which book I know Eric definitely didn't use? Uh, home economics. Uh, <laughs> so, but back to that, that's, that story is going to live inside me forever. Um, so back to the, back to the movie. He put his disease in you. He's put, yep, there's a lot of horrible things inside me. Uh, so uh, back to the movie. So I never told you guys this, that I used to live on Jody Arias Avenue. <laughs> oh, Jody Arias Avenue. Hell yeah. Shout outs. We should have her on the show sometime. <laughs> yeah, that pussy. She's great. So- hey, hey, we can only have one crazy pussy on this show and it's me. <laughs> so Jeff then heads to uh, his family hardware store the next day where uh, the blind guy that works there can still guess his f- how many fingers he holds up. Man, what a talented fellow. Uh, he goes, he's like, mucus spray bugs. It causes us no harm. So uh, uh, it's starting to formulate his plan about how he's going to, uh, what he's going to do with the bug spray later. He then heads to the local high school to pick up his new girlfriend, which is creepy, okay, that he's picking, he's driving up to the high school and his 
car to pick up his new girlfriend. I know he's supposed to be just graduated. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't know. Um, and uh, he then uh, takes his new girlfriend Sandy to Arlene's diner. Uh, she doesn't get food. What a bitch. That does bother me. Did you notice that? she? He orders food and it comes out and he's getting a BLT and this bitch is just sitting with nothing and I don't, I don't like Wait, that. Why are you mad at her? She's saving the man money. Why are you mad at her? Don't like, I don't like it. He's, he's, he's more well off than her. Okay. He's in college. He's doing his thing right now. Make him pay for something. Oh, Eric, are you telling me that from now on, you're just, every time I see you, you're going to buy me some food item? No, I'm going to leave when the bill comes out and stick you with it. It's a totally different plan. Um, he then sneaks into Dorothy. He then tries to get her on board to uh, to sneak into Dorothy's apartment. And uh, Sandy at first does not want to be an accomplice to to this but then she's attracted to the bad boys and relents eventually and decides that she will pose as a jehovah's witness after he infiltrates as the bug guy spraying her apartment she is very hesitant at first but with this he convinces her pretty easily no one will suspect us because no one would think two people like us would be crazy enough to do something like this you have a point there. He doesn't have a point there. He That's not a point, no. actually. It's literally not a point. <laughs> I identify with her a lot as a woman because I'm like, God, yeah, it is wild what you'll do to make a boy like you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he does... Uh, go later that night to uh, infiltrate there. They head up there. He has to go up seven flights of stairs to room 710. The elevator does not work. Um, she lets him right the fuck in. I'm sorry, Ashley, what you got there? I'm so sorry. No, I just realized something I wanted to reference very quickly. Before they decide what they're going to do with Dorothy, they see her at that lounge that night singing. And I'm sorry, I noticed this and I've been dying to talk about it just for a second. If she is in high school, didn't they both get alcohol? Because he asks her about Heineken being the king of beers. Well, they do say it also was at a time, I assume that this is taking place in a time uh, when the drinking age was probably 18. So it's well, it's it's she's a senior in high school. There's a good idea that she is probably 18 years old. He's in college, so he's over 18. I'm saying yeah. they can drink, no problem. Also, Jeremy, it was a different time back then. Wouldn't they just give you fucking beer at McDonald's back then? I don't know. Tell us about the past. Yeah, yeah, that you can get alcohol in in Europe anywhere, and also weed and and heroin, and they shoot you up at your table if you get like with a Big well, Mac. I think I, I could be wrong. I'd have to look it up, but I thought the drinking age has been twenty one for like a long time. True. Yeah, I think but they I changed think it, it in the seventies. But isn't this supposed to be like it, no, it was the, like thirteen? It is unclear when this movie takes place, but I don't see any 80s cars, so I assume it takes place in the late 60s, early 70s, so I would say it's probably fucking legit, you know? I'm just saying it's very negligent, that's all, I just want to say it. Like, it's just, he's a he's an older boy taking her to get booze. Mm -mm. We know what happens next. Mm -hmm. 11 textbooks. So she, uh, she lets him right in and he starts spraying and Dorothy is played by the very lovely Isabella Rossellini. Uh, now, Isabella Rossellini was not the first pick for this role. Uh, David Lynch actually wanted Debbie Harry uh, to play the, this role, but she had, in another vi movie that we've done, Videodrome, uh, she actually 
actually read the script and the stuff we're about to get into here, and she was just like, no, I don't want to be that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. But it, she, Debbie Harry was an inspiration while David Lynch was writing this script. So worth noting, as uh, I could totally see what's about to happen to sweet Dorothy, uh, totally happening to uh, Debbie Harry. She'd had enough. Can I- She'd had enough of movies with guys with manginas and. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I would, yeah, I wouldn't feel like super flattered if like one of you came to me, like Jeremy, for example, if you were working on a film and you're like, Ashley, I want to let you know, you inspired a character that gets violently sexually assaulted regularly. (laughs) And she has a really fucking weird accent and fucking ugly hair and i thought of you the whole time i was writing this <laughs> i could see that it's slightly disrespectful in yeah, retrospect it's weird. It's weird. so uh the knock comes but it is not dorothy though to distract him because he wants to open a window uh the guy she tells the guy that comes to the door which we'll learn is uh later known as the yellow man that it's only the bug man so he doesn't have time to open the window but he does steal some keys to the apartment in doing so which seems like a much more riskier prospect uh, of doing it i feel like you you're gonna notice you're missing keys but whatever um he's trying to he decides that he's gonna go sneak in tonight after that um she cancels her date with mike to go and help which she's a little bit hesitant about uh and which is funny because she's like oh i have a boyfriend also i like bad boys so fuck him and then uh she's now in on the thing and uh she says that she'll signal him if somebody comes up the steps because that's the night they actually go see her go sing uh at the club so they first go see her at the salon club uh while she's away uh they have the whole fucking he loves heineken thing dorothy valens takes the stage and sings her shitty rendition of blue velvet it's not it's the worst one that you'll hear isabella is not a great singer and the fact that we find out other people are obsessed with hearing her sing it is very weird turn it off i'm not listening to any more of it it's bad um you said in the uh in the in the commentary in the film that they had to like take seconds of her singing just to make the, the song sound even because <laughs> she was such a horrible singer so I do like uh, when I'm watching this scene uh, I I do enjoy the the Lynch magic of this because they show the stage and the stage looks larger than life and really classy up near the front but where Kyle or, or where Jeff and uh, Sandy are sitting it looks like a, a tight dive bar with like yeah. old time it looks like a fucking like uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for um, like a, a VFW where they're sitting yeah, it's, somehow it's, it's a like very a, cool it's like a biker bar that has like smooth jazz. It, <laughs> yeah, makes it, doesn't no- make, it doesn't make sense. And it's it's a high strangeness thing that I love. And it's something that Lynch puts throughout this is just contrasting things in the same place all the time. He loves showing like, oh, look at this giant, beautiful, classy thing over here. Also, here's a dive bar with a guy that probably mowed down 40 Viet Cong sitting behind you. You know, it's just I yeah. like that kind of uh, juxtaposition. And he loves showing shit like that. Um, yeah. She, regular lumberton 
Yeah, so they then leave there and uh, they go over to the apartment building where she says, I'll honk four times if there's trouble so you'll have enough time to get out. Um, uh, I don't know if... She also says, I don't know if you're a detective or a pervert. And he goes, that's for me to know and you to find out. It doesn't... Which is such a creepy fucking lie. Like, just say you're not a pervert. (laughs) I was horrified. (laughs) I I can just tell you that if any man, if I was ever like... I can't tell if you're a comedian or a pedophile. And they're like, that's for me to know and you to find out. I'd be like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I would leave. Let's not find out. Let's not find out. How about that? Uh, No. Suspect to me because my name is R. Kelly. (laughs) I don't know if you're an R&B singer or a fucking pedophile. Anyway, I'm Michael, also helping African girls get their beats to come to America. Even they're 12. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she tries to warn him, but he's taking a piss in there because he's the worst sleuth in the whole fucking world and he doesn't hear the honking. Uh, so yeah. he, as he hears them enter, not leaving at all, he goes to hide in a closet. Uh, she comes in and gets a weird call from Frank. Uh, and, uh, and, who has Don, uh, who sounds like her ex-husband and is turbo respectful to Frank. She ends the call with mommy loves you, which is uh, very intense. And she's like in her bra and panties and fucking uh, uh, Jeff is looking through the little slats in the closet. She cries and then writhes on the floor. Uh, But unfortunately he makes a noise at one part. And so she grabs a knife, finds him then fucking presents him before and tells him to undress stabs him in the face at one part like gives him a good nick right in the side of there and asks you like watching people undress and then uh proceeds to want to fuck him all of this happens so fast it's very bizarre and uncomfortable to watch uh but just as they're starting to get a little bit intimate and he's covered with blood running down his face he's there's a knock at the door and then he is forced to hide again within the closet grabbing all of his clothes and in walks a fucking pissed off Dennis Hopper who's playing Frank and boy oh boy get ready for the movie to take a right turn that can't be undone uh first he comes in and he makes he literally just sits down starts fucking huffing gas that he just has hooked up to himself and then he said he makes makes her show him uh his her pussy and then starts uh fucking huffing and crying and i got a little clip of just dennis hopper being a fucking madman here me mommy mommy loves you baby wants to fuck get ready to fuck you fuckers fucker you fucker don't you fucking look at me So as he's doing all this, he then takes some of her velvet robe, cuts a piece off of it. I believe implies that he shoves it into her pussy and then starts thrusting on top of her in a violent manner. And here's a little bit of uh, uh, Dennis Hopper fucking right here. And he's done. Wow, what is he, a marathon runner? I don't know how he even lasted that long. Um, So there's a bunch of things. Um, First of all, her voice 
is so awful when I hear her <laughs> on the phone. It's like being verbally assaulted by Pepe Le Pew. Um, <laughs> it is just hot garbage. Um, so then the whole thing about just opening her leg so he can stare at it. I'm upset just because I've never once had a man be like, I just want to stare at it. And I've just never had anyone be like, your pussy is so aesthetically pleasing. I just want to look into that deep, never ending gash. (laughs) Um, So that was a personal. And then finally, yeah, his, who taught him how to have sex like that? It was like whenever you catch a fish and it's just flopping around a lot after it's out of the water, that's kind of what it looked like while he was boning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's also some parts in there that I kind of left out, but she also asked to be like punched and slapped, and she seems like she's uh, she's kind of into getting punched and slapped a little bit. uh, But they, you know, they're not playing with safe words. Frank is a very uh, domineering person. Um, It's funny they actually offered the role of Frank to. um, a, a couple other actors. One of them was Henry Dean Stanton, actually, who got offered the role of Frank. And he he read the script. He's like, "No, this is way too brutal and violent. I can't. I can't even imagine doing this." Dennis Hopper read the script, and he goes, "Oh, I'm Frank. I'm a hundred percent Frank," is what he said, <laughs> which is fucking so insane to hear out of Dennis Hopper's voice. It's so scary, uh, and I feel like. The, that is more terrifying than anything in this movie is that he read it and he was like, nope, that's me to a T. He put it down on paper. I'm doing it. Oh, God. So fucking creepy. Um, he then uh, comes out of the closet uh, after after that and uh, he tries to comfort uh, sweet Dorothy uh, and then she begs to be slapped and he's like, no, I, how about we not do the slapping thing? Is that okay? Can we can we can we not do that? Um, and he says uh, he puts on his clothes and he's like, I- I'm leaving, but she begs him to stay. She goes into the bathroom and then he looks under the couch at the picture she looked at earlier and sees a picture of her son and what appears to be her husband. And on the back, which where I always put my marriage certificate, which is taped to a, a back of a fucking picture, uh, can see that she's married to some guy named Don, uh, which well, helps him. Put Put together some of the pieces of this mystery well i mean eric not to be like a dick or anything but no i fully know that's not where you keep your marriage certificate eric tapes it to the back of a, a flaming hot che- uh, cheetos bag <laughs> <laughs> oh man hot cheetos oh my gosh he's also married <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, he then goes and brings uh, Sandy up to speed the next day at the diner where you hear his theory. Dorothy Valens is married to a man named Don. They have a son. I think the son and the husband have been kidnapped by a man named Frank. Frank has done this to force Dorothy to do things for him. I think she wants to die. I think Frank cut the ear I found off her husband as a warning for her to stay alive. Frank is uh, a very dangerous man. My God. Should you tell my father? No. 
So he decides not to tell the police, though, where this seems like a perfect time to get the police involved. He's still going to get to the bottom of it with Sweet Sandy. Um, she, Sandy then goes to talk about Robbins and how he had a dream about her the other night, about him the other night, and how there were all these bugs, but then the Robbins came out and they symbolized our love and it just overtook everything. Uh, that'll come into play with the ending scene. Can, can I just say, though, if I was a man... And the woman I was interested in told me that fucking story. My dick would get so soft. I... <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst shit. That is so bad. I would break up with her yes, just for 100%. telling me that story. So, uh, you know, but... after she tells me that story, I know I can break out my Dungeons and Dragons in front of her and we can play for hours. Well, but Jeremy, I want I want to hear this side of the story, but it's you as Sandy. But instead of like Robbins, you're like, I had a dream that there were all these rats. <laughs> so, uh, growing up, I was such an arrogant fucking asshole because my neighbor loved playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, you are so fucking nerdy. I have Dungeons and Dragons on my Intellivision. No way I'm playing with a fucking book and a fucking flat fucking mm-hmm. with my mind when I can play it on a video game. What is this bullshit? So, uh, the real fucked up part is after she expresses her love for uh, Sweet Jeff, uh, he immediately goes to see Dorothy like five minutes later, and she likes him, yeah. and he likes her. They make out a little bit while they're there, and uh, I don't think they have sex, though. It seems like it's implied, uh, though that'll come in I have, later. I have a little clue to maybe his wanting to go back there when she like pulled down his underwear and practically like gave him a blowjob Yeah. Just a little hint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine that being uh, maybe a deciding factor there. But I'll get into what I what I think that all means as we as we fucking uncover everything here. So uh, he goes to go see her at the club again that night and notices Frank is uh, watching her sing Blue Velvet again, real fucking shittily. And then uh, Frank is crying while holding a piece of the Blue Velvet robe he fucking ripped off of her the other night. Um, and then uh, he stakes out uh, Frank as he leaves with his goons and then follows him to a warehouse house uh he then goes to bring sandy up to speed the next day another man involved in all this i call him the yellow man you saw his back the other day at dorothy's apartment today i saw the yellow man go into frank's building laughing with frank now the only trouble is what does that prove nothing really but it's interesting Number two, I saw the yellow man come out and meet up with a well-dressed man carrying an alligator briefcase. Why can't I hear you now? He's taking pictures the whole time. They went to this factory building downtown, stood on a staircase and looked off in the distance. In the distance, there was a murder. This drug dealer was shocked to death and the woman had her legs broken. Jeffrey. And these two guys told me that the police would find a huge amount of drugs in the dead dealer's place. 
can't believe what you're finding out. Whoa. So he's he's found out that there's a yellow man, there's a handsome man, there's also a murder that happened that they were looking at. Lots of little parts going in and out here. Um, yes, Jeremy. Oh, can he not hear us? I don't know. Or can you hear us at all, Jeremy? Okay, good talk. Um, you can hear me, Ashley, so we'll keep going on with the show. Uh, but in the middle of all this, uh, uh, he he says he can't stop or tell anybody because he's in the middle of this, which is also important to note. I was looking at the movie stamp right here. It literally is in the middle of the movie at the hour and five minute mark of this two-hour movie. Uh, he also likes her too, uh, so he's playing both sides and kisses her, um, but says... Uh, but he but he says he has to stop okay and then leaves after that he then shows up at dorothy's house shortly after after that uh but you can notice that the window's open it's letting some air in uh she wants to have rough sex with him but uh, uh and, and to be hit but he says he needs something out of that he's like you need to break away from frank they fight he hits her eventually and then they fuck and it's uh, he's stepped over a line of evil he can't seem to come back from at this point um and i hate how she says this he's like you she goes to him she goes you have my disease now (laughs) which is never something you want to hear after penetration uh (laughs) yeah you know you know they weren't using condoms Um, oh no 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 but the thing that bothers me is i'm like ladies don't let a man hit you if you get off on that type of thing you know just like me keep these beautiful features intact uh have him break you emotionally yeah. that's the type of damage no one can see <laughs> that is that, that is true so uh now that now that sweet jeffrey uh our innocent uh hero now has the disease uh he decides to leave up out of there but as he's leaving frank and his goons are walking up and she he sees him leaving her apartment at the same time and fucking dennis hopper goes off he's like who's this he's like we're going for a ride don't be a nice neighbor and he just goes fucking ape shit for the next couple of minutes uh and they go for a little joy ride with jeffrey and sweet dorothy uh well he's not wrong though this is exactly why i don't interact with my neighbors Mm-hmm. Like they could be into some weird sex cult shit. Who knows? You never Who know. Knows? You keep to yourself. You take out your garbage. You shovel your driveway. Don't fucking talk to me. And don't leave trash out in an open area. Uh, it's just the basics of being a human, right, Ashley? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, Frank shows up, and they're going to go for a little joy ride. And Jeremy, you played a little bit of, of a song for Frank here. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a heavy metal song. Here's a little bit of Jeremy's song um for Frank.
That was beautiful, Jeremy. That was beautiful. Song uh, about the joyride. About oh. the joyride. Hell yeah, man. So uh, they go on this joyride. Uh, it brings Frank and Dorothy along. And I don't know what Jeremy's trying to play, but we can't hear it barely through the mic. He has a video up. And Jeremy, the audio is so fucking bad for this. I'm not going to put our listeners through that. Thank you. Um, so we we finally get to Ben's place, who is uh, Ben is played by the the very talented actor um, uh, from Quantum Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap. Jeremy, what's your favorite Dean Stockwell movie? Uh, probably the movie Tucker, where he does a cameo as. Uh, Howard Hughes showing off his uh, his uh, Hercules to uh, the maker of the Tucker. Okay, all right. I I don't hate it. I don't hate it. So uh, as they pull oh, which up, is the, which is also the favorite car of guys that like being transvestites. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a very that's a deep cut right there. Not hey, tra- Eric. Not transsexuals. <laughs> um. Hey, Eric. Was he also in the Langoliers? God, I haven't seen the Langoliers in so goddamn long. Um, okay. I'm just going to say maybe because uh, they did have Balky from Perfect Strangers. So pulling the guy from Quantum Leap uh, doesn't seem like a long stretch. I, I hate- got a look. Okay. I, I hate to say when I met Dean Stockwell at Chiller, um, when I asked for the photo with him, I asked for the uh, punch in the gut photo. So when I got my picture, he's like pretending like he's punching me in the gut, like uh, he did to Kyle McLaughlin. That in, is, uh, in, um, that is good. But before they enter, uh, uh, fucking Ben's place, which is a brothel of BBWs, uh, here's a little uh, discussion about what beer to get. Um, uh, of course, he's good. Of course, our hero Jeff says, "I like Heineken." What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> there you go. Jeremy and Jeremy's drinking Paps PBR right now in honor of the great Dennis Hopper. Well, so that's super funny because unintentionally, um, I get sent free stuff from companies sometimes so I can try it out. And this afternoon, I did in fact have a Heineken 0.0 alcohol free beer because they're testing out a new formula and it is in fact terrible um but uh i did google and i was right he plays bob in the langoliers there you go so uh he then uh as we're going into ben's place uh we get to meet uh one of the one of the goons that he has is actually who uh is named Raymond who's played by none other than Brad Dorif uh making an early uh stand here. I think oh, he was in one flew over the cuckoo's nest before this which seems this is like a down step for him. Very small role I feel like taking wouldn't, this David Lynch part. I, wouldn't this be after Child's Play? Uh I think Child's Play was 89 if I'm not mistaken or 80 let's see Child's Play. It can't be after it. Uh, what, about, what about Graveyard Shift? Dorif. After. Let's I see think. Brad Dorif's uh, filmography here and see where this one lands and why he took this role with almost no lines at all. So we go back to 86, okay, where this movie came out. Oh, man, he's got such a storied career, you know? Blue I Velvet. Love it. Okay, before Blue Velvet, he did, he was already in Dune. 
He was already in Heaven's Gate, this, Wise Blood, and then, yeah. Oh, I guess all of his big shit really happened after this, right? Oh, I guess that Child's Play was after, but, you know, if you're casting people with really fucked up eyebrows, he definitely got into Dune because of that, so. Yeah, Child's Play was 88, not 89, so it would be after that. Um, what about The Exorcist 3? Yeah, that would have to be after it, too. Um, That's like 93? Yeah, 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 so. I think it was, this was also, uh, after, uh, Lord of the Rings, too, so. (laughs) And he was in, <laughs> hey, hey, did you know this? Brad Dorif was in Critters 4, and he played the character Al Burt, as in two different names. Al and his last name was Burt. So, just I Al. I haven't gotten past watching uh, Tremors 2 yet. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Four. Critters 4. Critters 4. Oh, so. cri- oh shit i thought you said uh you said uh goonies no 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 so uh dorothy then gets to see her kid for like a brief moment in the other room he's just held she's just holding this kid up at a whorehouse here oh oh, oh, by the way goonies for chunks revenge yes yes (laughs) ben then uh pays frank a bunch of money um and then we're blessed with this beautiful karaoke here uh where he sings roy in dreams by uh roy orbison wait 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 um jack nance otherwise known as a racer head is one of the goons oh okay so uh we get to we get to see him lip sync this song right here in dreams by roy orbison which i'll play a little bit of in There it is. So uh, now, fun story about him using this song right here is he really uh, he really wanted to use this song and couldn't get Roy Orbison to sign off on it. In fact, Roy Orbison said that he actually read the script and did not want this song to be featured in this film at all. Uh, it sounded fucking horrifying to him. Uh, but they went through some back road alleys and were able to get the rights to use it. And then when Roy Orbison eventually saw the movie at some like film festival, he saw his song come up there and was just like, yeah, right. This is a pretty good movie, and he accepted it. So they were. He was actually very happy that it ultimately made it in, which is nice. And side note: if anybody of our listeners can find this video and send it to me, it is lost in the annals of the internet. I cannot find it. The last time I found it, it found it. It took me like an hour and a half, and it has been removed. But if anybody can find the comedy bit from like the early two thousands called. Roy Orbison's bird shit fetish. I will give I'll send you $10 Venmo if you find this thing. It is one of the I to this day, it's one of the funniest fucking videos I've ever watched in my life and it's about Roy Orbison just being obsessed with getting shit on by birds while he sings the song Pretty Woman and it is a 10 out of fucking 10 and I need it in my life. I try to explain it to people and I just unless you see it, you can't laugh hard enough. Jeremy, have I ever shown you the Roy Orbison bird shit uh, fetish video? No, but just to explain it makes me want to pee myself. Dude, it's literally just going pretty pretty bird shit and just bird shit is going down his face while he's singing like songs by Roy Orbison. It's one of the funniest. I swear to God, I cannot fucking find it anywhere anymore. It's been removed from the internet and if anybody finds it, you got $10 I'm going to fucking Venmo you for the first person that gets it to me. Um, anyway, uh, that goes off, but after, uh, um, 
Dennis Hopper is finally brought to tears by just a karaoke version of this song. He cuts it off and he goes, we got to get the fuck Eddie out of here. I'll fuck anything that moves. Ah! Which is, uh, it's fun to watch that just a man having human emotions is enough to do this. So, uh, also, he um, disappears on screen. Yeah, he disappears like instantly. This is fun. Well, so I, I just want to point out that um, we would call this a lip sync. Not a karaoke. True that. True because, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was just lip syncing. Um, number two, I just have to tell you that as a woman, nothing feels better, makes you feel more desirable, more important than whenever a man is like, I will literally fuck anything that can move. Um, <laughs> dogs, um, insects, your vacuum. I'm just like, I feel good about this. So, as if we couldn't get to the depths of depravity, let's get a little bit further in. They then drive out to uh, uh, the country after that. Um, he pulls over and threatens Jeff and uh, then starts huffing some more shit out of there. Now, this stuff that he's hu- huffing is supposed to be... Uh, I, I was reading it about the facts of the movie. It was like something that's supposed to enhance sexual uh, desire and stuff like that, or enhance your uh, libido. Uh, but in the original script, apparently Apparently, um, which was changed on Dennis Hopper's request, is that he was supposed to be huffing helium in the movie, which, how funny would it be every time he does it, he's like, which would be very hilarious and take me out of it constantly. It would have been funnier, but also somehow more terrifying to watch him commit some of the monstrosities he ends up uh, committing. Did I ever tell you guys that back when I grew up in Keatesville, Maryland, I think this might have been when I was real little before I was even born. They had a neighbor that the town used to call Doc, (laughs) and he was not a doctor, um, but he would sit up in the woods behind our house and huff um, canisters of laughing gas and you would hear him up in the woods just hear a haunting voice going ha 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 ha, 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 ha. and then you would hear him throw up <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old Woodworth shuffle. Gotta love it. Uh, so uh, I also, uh, another fun movie fact about this, during these really violent scenes that we talk about in this movie, um, this, particularly the one with Isabella where she gets fucking sexually assaulted, uh, David Lynch during the filming of it was laughing maniacally the entire time while it was being filmed. Like when Dennis Hopper's going off, he's going, <laughs> <laughs> like that and uh even to this day isabella rossellini because she was very uncomfortable obviously doing all this nude work and stuff like that she says i still look fondly back on the filming of that because david lynch was making me laugh the whole time because he was giggling like a schoolgirl the entire time it was happening so uh i don't know uh if it was just to diffuse the situation or the uncomfortableness he seems like kind of like david lynch seems like a guy like me like when i see something really horrible my initial reaction is to laugh like that uh, oh no i know but it it, it probably I, I i like to think that it probably made the situation more comfortable because she does not look at that particular scene as actually doing it as bad what she had a problem with is when there was a premiere and her mom was watching it and there were children in the theater she's like that was a little rough though <laughs> so, so eric does this which is why i recognize the behavior i could tell eric like hey 
I was just held up at gunpoint or I would be like, Hey, I just saw a car explode. Yeah. And Eric's like, that's fucking hilarious. That was literally two episodes ago. And it did happen where you were, I was just like, Holy shit. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm so I'm a monster and I apologize. Thank you for being my friend. Um, <laughs> so hard to explain, but it's like, you know, I heard your mom died, but I just can't stop laughing. <laughs> He's done it with my breakups. I'll be like, I just broke up with this boy. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> I do laugh at real human trauma and it's a bad problem. So um, they, uh, they drive out to the country. He pulls over and threatens Jeff and then starts huffing more of this shit. It's not helium. It's fucking something to increase his libido that has a weird name. He then uh, says, uh, you're like me, Jeff. Look at your future. And then uh, he uh, starts groping uh, Sweet Dorothy and he punches him from the back seat. The The gang then pulls him out. Uh, Dennis Hopper keeps huffing shit. And then he puts on lipstick and uh, they put on the song uh, Dreams I Walk With You. And then uh, the, one of the girls that's in the car, she starts, she's like a, a, a slightly larger woman. She starts dancing on top of the car while Dennis Hopper is just kissing Kyle. Uh, McLovin in this field out of nowhere. It's a bizarre scene as Dorothy just screams, stop it, Frank! Stop it! And uh, the whole scene is just bizarre this, and uncomfortable. I feel this 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 scene is encompassed in a song called Joyride. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I gotta be honest, I feel both repulsed and seen by this by this part in the movie because when i look at that sad prostitute i see myself because we are both built like 10 year old bedroom pillows all stacked together <laughs> oh, oh man all the better to throw you around with dear um so they uh jeff wakes up in the I don't see a problem. Jeff would... Oh, see, look. So, <laughs> Thank you. Stop. Ashley, you're making your pumpkin spice run. Uh, <laughs> so Jeff... Jeff would... My wife to die. Sorry. <laughs> and it would be totally legal again. Oh, oh, Jeremy, don't don't fucking lay your groundwork too early, brother. So okay, I want to um, have sex at least once this year, okay? Okay, relax. Jesus. So you had more sex than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff wakes up abandoned in the morning in this field, uh, which looks like a future site of the show Twin Peaks. Uh, Jeff then cries on his way back home uh, because he, I think not only because he got beat up and he failed both of his girlfriends last night, but also because he sees himself becoming more and more like the horrible Frank that could be his possible future. Um, he's just seen how far he's fallen in the last couple of months. So you're not going to... You're not going to play the Joyride song or, or what? I don't have the Joyride song queued up, Jeremy. What? I no, I don't. I don't. I don't have it. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Here's Joyride. Going on a Joyride. 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 
Okay, there's Joyride by Jeremy Woodworth. That was nice. That was that was nice, Jeremy. Very it fit the tone. Good job. It very much uh wrapped up everything we just talked about. Perfect song. Wow, Chef's Kiss. We can't wait to hear it it's on Laughter Game Night multiple nice. times. It's very uh, it's very ironic because it really wasn't filled with joy on the ride. There was no joy in that ride. It was actually very stressful, 100%. More like a hate ride. So uh, he then finally says, you know what? Uh, maybe I should talk to the police about this. He tells Sandy he's got to tell her dad, but uh, he tries to keep her clean of the whole situation. He goes to go to the police station, but sees the yellow man there. Oh my God, it's Detective Jordan. The police are in on the goddamn scam. He was the one who actually murdered the people earlier that we heard in uh, 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 Jeff's clip from uh, that I played earlier when he was informing Sandy. So he goes directly to Detective Williams to tell him at his house, uh, he lays out his evidence, and uh, of course, he recognizes the yellow man. Williams is a little bit shook, but says, "You're done, right? Can like you stop doing this? Because uh, I'm I can." Be prepared for further interrogation about this. But Williams knows that Sandy is probably locked up in this as well. Jeff goes to pick up Sandy, though, the next night for their date. Because you know what? Let's go to the local sock hop, turn up, get lit, as uh, the 1960s kids like to do. Uh, But the yellow man is there at Detective Williams' house. And he says, don't blow this. And uh, they head off. They, uh, They head to their little sock hop. No idea why this is happening and why. It's at a local VFW hall, but it looks cool for a fucking 80s shithole. Beautiful dance sequence with a loving kiss, and they both say, I love you. It is just a very nice thing. Maybe he's not totally tarnished and broken. Maybe he can still be a good person. But as they're leaving, they get pursued by a black car. Jeff assumes is Frank. They speed to his home so he can go get his gun, but as they pull up to the house, they see that it's just uh, Sandy's ex-boyfriend, Mike. He goes to to go beat up Jeff, but uh, just as the fight's about to commence... Dorothy is completely nude in front of his house. How does she know where he lives? I have no idea. Did she just show up randomly? There was no internet. I don't know how she's here or why, but she's out and she has a lot of bush that she's showing for no goddamn reason. She did see what? She did see his. She did see his driver's license when she interrogated oh That's that right. is a point and their neighbors that is that is true so uh jeff sandy and dorothy all hop in the car and they decide to go back to sandy's house because they can get this naked bitch an ambulance faster there i don't understand why ambulances come faster to a police officer's house i'm not sure that ha- has ever worked like that but we're going with it um he he also she also notices that uh dorothy can't keep her hands off her man uh, she whispers to her that you're my secret lover and says, do not call the police. Uh, and we hear this here in the house. The police are on their way. Don't get the police! Stop it! I love you! Love me! And of course, Sandy is horrified by all this. Tell me it's all right. I open myself to you. Tell me it's all right. Sandy, please. Sandy. I'll get a coat to put on her. 
Yeah, I like that they also just allowed her to... He's wearing a jacket he could have put on her 30 minutes ago. And he was just like, maybe... I like that the mom finally has the wherewithal. was like, hey, can we just not have this lady's titties out in our house? Maybe we could fix this. Can I just point out that this movie is very accurate because there is nothing a man loves more than you showing up at his real family's house and you're completely naked screaming, I love you, won't you love me? Yeah. I also, and I think there was a little bit of noise over that part. I also like that she says at this part, and he's like, he put his disease in me. Meaning like maybe he's turning her a little bit away from the dark side of evil and making her a, a little bit of a better person in some uh, retrospect, which is like this. I like this fight between good and evil that like Kyle McLaughlin's character is on this pathway to just becoming more and more dark and maybe pulling back and she is like here and then the Frank is like fucking way over here in the evil spectrum but that line kind of says like maybe I can be a better person because of you and I thought at least that's what I took from that little part right there I'm not sure does she actually say he as in Jeff or does she mean he is in Frank put his disease in me? I don't know. I think because he's talking to, I think because she is speaking to him, that he's talking to directly to, uh, to Jeff. Can we also all just agree that she could also just mean that anytime a man finishes in you, it is a disease <laughs> and that disease is called a child. <laughs> so- I, I, I read it to believe that, uh, him putting his disease in her is 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 his love and love is a disease oh uh-huh. love is equal a disease so sandy is clearly not happy with all this and ends up slapping jeff uh but apologizes later on the phone that evening jeffrey then heads to dorothy's apartment and i don't know why this is another decision i don't why did he go back to dorothy's apartment i don't know uh she calls her dad for help and because she doesn't know where he is uh, but what he sees when he walks in there, Jesus, it's the yellow man standing there with a chunk of his fucking head blown off, still standing though. He's just like paralyzed in this position of like, I'm just going to stand here with my head blown off. And then uh, we can see that uh, uh, I assume this is Don, her husband with his ear missing uh, is also shot in the head and totally dead within the apartment. Um, the blue velvet shoved in his mouth uh, and no ear. Frank then uh, uh, gets raided at frank's place then gets raided at the same time guns are ablazing as the police draw down on his warehouse in uh simultaneously now jeff is about uh, uh to leave the apartment and he goes i'm going to uh he says i'm gonna let them find you and uh as he so he's like uh, fuck this i'm leaving i'm just gonna let them find you guys uh in these dead bodies i think i'm out uh but as he's leaving he can see the handsome man showing up and notices that it is not the handsome man at all it's actually frank dressed as the handsome man and he's making his way up to the goddamn room in this disguise so sandy also rushes out after him headed towards the building she uh he realizes that frank probably has a radio as well because he could see from outside there that he's carrying one and that he's hiding uh so he 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 decides to say 
hey, police, uh, I'm hiding in the bedroom. Please, there's a man coming, knowing that Frank can hear that. So instead, he then goes to hide in the closet. Now, as Frank comes in, he goes to go blast him in the bedroom uh, and grabs the yellow man's gun shoots the yellow man uh so he finally fucking drops and then pulls it open and starts unloading uh in the meantime fucking while he's unloading in the bedroom where he is not he goes and grabs uh the gun from the other room that the yellow man had so now jeff is armed hiding in the closet and just as frank finally realizes that he's in the closet he opens it up and gets fucking blasted through his skull piece in a great headshot with one very brief second of a total dummy that they show for just for just a split second like i could have done, even not had that because the the aftermath of his brain chunks on the floor and everything are so graphic and good that we probably could have done without the prosthetic um fucking dennis hopper head that we see for a second but it still works i enjoy it sandy then bursts in the door before detective williams does or her dad doesn't even get to the door first he comes in second which i also find is odd like work on your cardio bro your daughter's about to walk into a gun you literally just heard a gunshot and then your daughter bursts in a door it's not a wise decision fair point uh jeff then uh that ends up being uh uh how that scene ends and uh with with a dead dennis hopper jeff at the end everything seems to be cured jeff is happiness happiness has somehow cured everyone uh his mother is having a great time his dad is back on the men he's in love with fucking what's her name isabella rosalini has her kid back and is having a wonderful time in the park and you look out on the out through the window and they can see a robin which was the symbol of love with a beetle in its mouth just going and it's clearly like this animatronic fucking robin that's like "Ah, i'm eating a bear i'm fucking eating a beetle um now uh when asked about this scene david lynch said oh no that was a that was a real robin and he goes he was like are you no he was just like it doesn't look real it looks very animatronic he was just like his response was oh that's because the robin was acting uh and when you act it doesn't look real sometimes so um david lynch maybe wasn't totally lying or playing a rib on us though uh apparently from what i've heard um and what is rumored is that the animatronic robin actually was a dead robin that they found out on the set that they put animatronics into and made move like that so uh technically he wasn't wrong but also turbo creepy so can I just throw it out there that when Jeremy is no longer among the living, I say we do the same thing to you, Jeremy, and we just keep you on the pod forever. Yeah, I, I'm into that. Jeremy, would yeah. you be would you be willing to become an animatronic? Well, if you could get like uh, a really good actor to move my mouth and to do my uh, my antics, um, preferably somebody like. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd, or maybe uh, Vin Diesel. Um, yeah, I'd be going. And maybe funny scenes of like carrying my fat ass. Well, you know, once I'm once I'm taxidermy, it'd be much lighter to do a lot of weekend at Bernie scenes. Jeremy, so. I think I think the best actor, if we're if we're really pushing it, is maybe maybe Kyle Gass of Tenacious D. That's probably the best we can do for you. 
I say we put a rat in Jeremy's mouth when he's dead and just let like Cinderella, you know how they would finish the dresses and shit. We just put a rat in Jeremy's dead mouth and it'll just move around inside him and make it look like he's moving. <laughs> I love it. Look, I... If you guys got several hundred dollars, you probably could, uh, you'd probably get Paula Poundstone to play me. That is true. <laughs> oh man and that uh that brings us to an end of blue velvet um fun movie i enjoyed it ashley your final thoughts on blue velvet um you know it was definitely uh an interesting movie uh definitely doesn't make me want to have sex anytime soon so <laughs> it's a non-pussy getting non-pussy getting movie jeremy why Blue Velvet? Why you love it? And uh, tell us a little bit your closing thoughts. Uh, probably the closest part of the creepiness to my soul is uh, the, the creepy velvet uh, fetish that Dennis Hopper had, which also was very shared but with some very close member of our family who always had um, satin around yeah. in creepy places. Uh, to find out even years after uh, this person's death that they um, were addressed about it in a letter right after he was in- inducted into the service that his dad knew about his creepy fetish. So. Ah, nice. Well, very good. Opened up some real trauma for Jeremy uh, there, and I guess a little bit myself. But uh, I... Uh, I personally really enjoyed the hell out of Blue Velvet. Uh, like I said, it's a it's so uh, it's such a good watch to just sit down and let it all sink into you. I think the thing that I take away from it most is the idea of uh, being uh, being good and and drawn to the more evil side constantly. I think is what I pulled away from it more. Like even Sandy, she's like Sandy has a good boyfriend in Mike, and she's just like, no, I want this slightly guy who's more dangerous. And then Kyle McLaughlin is slightly more drawn to this other lady who is a fucking single mother basically right now slash lady who likes to get slapped. And to a certain extent, she loves fucking Frank and the fucking abuse that he deals out to her. And and uh, I think that cycle of evil, but uh, the idea that love can still prevail over that is really important uh, and overall a great film and that uh, I enjoyed tremendously. And I encourage any of our listeners to go out. If you haven't seen Blue Velvet, watch it for yourself. Enjoy the fuck out of us. Ashley, where can people find you at? Um, You can always find me online at Ashley Pontius Laps. And you can catch me, I believe, February 11th at Church of Satire. Fuck yeah, Church of Satire. You can catch all things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. Just put a bunch of new dates that are all coming up in the month of February. Um, uh, Me and Ashley will be at Rough Edges Brewing on the 19th. So if you're listening to this right now, buy your tickets. Come out to Waynesboro, PA, and check that shit out. Uh, I also got shows at Magoobies on the 14th, which maybe if you're listening to it the day this comes out, you can maybe go there tonight. Jeremy, take us out of here. Heineken's for pussies. Have blue ribbon. Candy color clown they call the Sandman. Tiptoes to my room every night. Just to sprinkle stars and to whisper. Go to sleep. Everything is alright. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four.